You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Came, Because if you didn't come, we couldn't have church, so it's all good. We get to come together and worship and spend time and celebrate. You know, there's just been something, I think, um, for all of us that has been going on in the last few weeks. I keep hearing it through emails. I hear it through your, your stories, your testimony, and it has to do with really an excitement leading into the Easter season, and uh, there really is an excitement. And today, I, I want to I enlarge on that just a little bit. I want to talk about that for just a moment. And the reason I do is because we can prepare our hearts, really, for what's coming in Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. There, there's a tenderness of God's Holy Spirit, and I've experienced it here in this place, especially in the last few weeks. And when I think about God's tenderness, <clears throat> uh, I'm reminded of a scripture in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 8. It says, God's tenderness will do this to us. With everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. And uh, I want that to be a gift to your heart today, a blessing to you, that you would take the tenderness of God and just let him work in your spirit by his Holy Spirit. And so this morning's message really has everything to do with preparing us, preparing our hearts for the Easter season and really moving beyond. And what I want to do is take some time with you and talk about, uh, I want to talk about Jesus and I want to talk about the church community. It's important we do this every now and again. I haven't done this before where we actually are very deliberate and intentional about preparing us for the Easter season, but I just think there's something happening that God wants to bring salvation into people's lives, and I'm excited about that. So what you hear today, it really was shared uh, about a month ago with a smaller group. After I shared it, they came, and many of them came and said, hey, would you share this with a larger group? We, we want to hear this on Sunday morning. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what was shared about a month ago, and here's what I'm asking from you, uh, that you would listen closely to what and how the Holy Spirit speaks to you, that you would just open up your heart, open up your mind to whatever God's saying to you right now, whatever he's speaking to you, that, that you would take a hold of that, and it would be life-changing. And so before I move any further, would you bow your heads with me? We're going to talk about Jesus. Now let's, uh, let's pray to him. Father, we just thank you for, for your great work in our lives. We just ask that you prepare us and that you keep us today. Because what you're doing here is you're setting us up for victory. You're setting us up for success. And we thank you for that by the power of your resurrection. We look forward to that. We're excited in our spirits for what you are doing and what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray and we say Amen. See, God does want to set us up for success. He wants to set us up for victory. And it has to do with his kingdom and advancing the good news of Jesus Christ. And he defines what blessing and success looks like at the very beginning of his ministry. Some of you will remember that he, he got on a, a mountaintop or a mountain. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And he gave us the rules or the guidelines, a manifesto for what his kingdom is really all about. And he said a few things that really set the foundation for his, his earthly ministry. He said, blessed are those who pour. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. <laughs> blessed are the merciful. And he, and he goes on and on. And he says, now this is what happiness, true happiness, true blessing looks like. This is what my kingdom looks like. 
success as Jesus outlines it. And he does it at the beginning of his ministry. But he also does the same at the very end of his ministry. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we call it the Great Commission. And Jesus stood before several of his disciples and he said, All authority and all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now, I'm going to give that to you. I want you to go in the same power, in the same authority, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And and don't forget this. He says, don't forget this. I will be with you until the very end of the age. See, the promise that we have today is the presence of God. In just a moment, we're going to share communion with one another. And one of the things that we do there is we're just reminded of His presence. That he does promise us that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. And I think that's something that's so dear for us to hang on to today, that we know that he's with us, that he never leaves us, that he never forsakes us. So I want to speak to how God has uniquely and wonderfully wired this church first, because God's heart is expressed through this church in a lot of different ways. I know when Annette and I arrived here 30 years ago, there were just certain characteristics, certain qualities that just refreshed us. That, that blessed us and encouraged us. And I believe this with all my heart. God creates churches or births churches in a unique and wonderful way, the same way that he births individuals. We're created uniquely in our mother's womb. Well, we're created uniquely in the heart and, and, and womb of God when we talk about planting churches and who we are. One of the things that we have here is so beautiful. It's kindness. I think that's one of the qualities and characteristics of this church. And we've experienced and been blessed by God's kindness. Another is generosity. How generous you are, not only with this community, but how generous you are with the world that we're a part of. And that you're constantly lifting your eyes and seeing what's around you, not only in your own backyard, but really what's happening across the globe here. What's going on in other countries? How can we come alongside and go and make disciples who make disciples for Jesus? That takes generosity. And this is what I know about generosity. Generosity is the primary vehicle, really, to get the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Because if it's not for your generosity, the, the, the gospel gets stifled. It gets stymied. It isn't that it's not powerful, but God is always wanting us to partner with Him. And one of the ways we do that is through our, our generosity. I think restoration is another quality about this church, this place. Um, I know Annette and I have experienced restoration here in this church community, and it's been a huge blessing for us. And that there is restorative aspects of God's Holy Spirit that work here in just practical ways. Um, Some of our classes, a lot of our classes, just deal with brokenness and deal with our woundedness and, and bring Jesus Christ into the center. And remember, we keep the main thing the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ. And we know that He heals us. We know that he restores us. Another thing that happens is, is equipping. That's something we take seriously here at Canby Foursquare Church, is we want people to be prepared to give an account of their faith. And the way that we do that is through God's word, it's through teaching, it's through all the different things that happen during the course of the week, that you're in fellowship with each other and that you're diving into the word of God. Another thing that's happened here is we send so we're, we're not here to hold on to people. Uh, we're here to equip and send folks to where God wants them to be. And so we have people really all around the world. I received this wonderful, wonderful email about a month ago from one of the young girls who grew up in this church. She's not 
a young girl anymore. She's a young lady. She's married, and she lives in Germany. She was part of Canby Bible College. She, I, she, I dedicated her as a baby, and uh, she grew up here. She's now in Germany with her husband, and they have helped plant a church in Germany. And, and she wrote a note back, and she wanted us to know how generous we are and how, how much her time here meant to her. And that we have the ability, we have um, the promise that, that God will multiply the good news of Jesus Christ through us. Making culture is, uh, doing culture here and, and reaching into culture has a lot to do with the expressions of God's Holy Spirit here. Um, to know who we are is so important, but also to know where we've been. And I, I haven't shared this a lot, but I want to share it today. So many of you who might be new here in the last year or two or three have a little idea of a snapshot of, uh, of Canby Foursquare Church, where we've come from, and then where we're going to go. But I know this, for the first 10 years, we dealt with a lot of rapid growth. I mean, there were things happening. Uh, I didn't have a clue what was going on. We were just trying to run around and, and take care of as much as we could take care of. Uh, there was growth in people. There was a growth in staff. There were growth in facilities. And so those first 10 years really are labeled by rapid growth. Now, we know other things went on during those 10 years, but those first 10 years, if you're going to mark them to say anything, if you're going to label it, it would say rapid growth. I think the next 10 years was raising up disciples that we needed to be serious about raising disciples. We need to be serious about being good moms and being good dads and being good leaders in our home and in our community. And I remember the very place that that started in me, and it, was, it wasn't comfortable. It was actually a painful conversation. Someone wanted to have coffee with me, so I went out and had coffee with him, and, and uh, we got done with coffee, and he said, I just need to tell you something. He said, um, he said, I'm going to leave the church because I'm really not getting what I need to get from you. You know, it's one of those kind of conversations. And uh, I, I remember thinking, oh, man. And, and he, said, he said, you know, I just can't get what I need on Sunday morning. And uh, I went away from that conversation thinking one of two things. I had a choice to make. Either you fold and you go lick your wounds or you say, what can we do to make this a place that really does equip. And it was out of that conversation that Canby Bible College was birthed, the internship was birthed, MTI, all of those things have come out of that one single conversation. So I want to alert you, there's often times that, that you have those painful conversations, and out of that, it's actually kind of like the, 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 the ground, the fertile ground for growth. And so use those painful times to advance the kingdom of God. Use those painful times to intentionally grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You might be going through a painful time right now. You might be having painful conversations right now. What I would encourage you to do is say, Lord, I want this to be an opportunity for me to grow. And that whatever wounds I might experience, I want them to become sacred wounds in my life. I want them to be things that cause me to grow in Jesus Christ. And then the last 10 years has been about more about redefining church. Not a theological redefining, but redefining our expression of who we are and what God has called us to do. And if we don't do that, we really lose. We get behind the curve and we can't move ahead. We can't, we can't move forward. And, um, and I'll say this, I, it's been a... It's been an interesting three or four or five years to where pastoring and leading in a lot of ways, it's in a hostile environment. Our culture has become more and more hostile 
as time has gone on. And, and, and I feel it, and I'm sure that, that, that you feel it as well. It, it seems like there's a lot more yelling and telling going on. And there are different ways we can yell and tell. We have social media now. <laughs> we have a lot of different expressions that we can yell and tell. But here's what I think God has called us to do. Uh, I think God has called us to listen and learn. In the body of Christ, if we listen, if we listen to that still, small voice that Jesus is speaking to us, and we listen to what's going on around us, we, we, we become advocates and ambassadors for the gospel of Jesus Christ in a, in a way that absolutely changes people's lives. I want to encourage you to, to be, to be a, a listener, to be a learner. We see things happening today where we become more polarized, aren't we? I mean, I, I haven't seen a time where the church is so far from, from culture. There's a, there's a, there's a polarization. And, and it's been going on for, at least from what I can tell, for a few years. And to see what, what's happening there, it, it, it makes me ask questions. God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to live our lives? And I'm going to tell you, one of the things that I know is so important right now is that we become the salt and light in the culture that we live in. Now, salt and light isn't something really spectacular. I mean, when you think about salt, salt is salt. But salt is a preservative. Salt is a base for everything else to work. And that we can be that salt and light. And that we can hold tensions together that we, that we live in. The tension you might live in at work. The tension that you might be living in in your home. That you can be that salt and light. And that God's Holy Spirit will be faithful to give you the words. To give you the words to speak and the life to live. That's the empowerment of His Spirit in us. Listen, I, I, I think this is so true. Before we lament and judge the, the woes of our culture, I think it's important that we, we take a hard look at our own hearts through the lens of God's Word and His Holy Spirit. Our enemy's real. And I want to declare that and say that publicly. Our enemy is real, and our enemy has a face to it. The face of our enemy is not our culture. The face of the enemy is fear. And the Bible says this in 1 John 4, 18, that perfect love casts out fear. I think there are people today, many of us, dealing with, with fear, and fear motivates us to do some things that are, um, that are not godly, that are not righteous. And so I want you to join with me, especially in the next few weeks, the next few months, to stand up against fear in your own life. Moving forward because you know that God is greater than your fear. Moving forward because you know that your faith in Jesus Christ is a powerful thing. The gospel isn't as fragile as we make it out to be. The gospel isn't as fragile as your circumstances or your failures. The gospel is powerful. The gospel isn't fragile in the area of politics or in the area of home life or relationships. The gospel is powerful. And that I invest my life into the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that, I know there's a spiritual warfare that takes place. And I, I know for me, what I'm warring against is fear right now. Fear in our community. Fear in our church. Fear in our own hearts. That we would have a peace that passes all understanding. 
Let me just ask this question. How many of you have dealt with fear in this last week? I mean, one way or another, dealt, dealt with fear. Yeah. yeah, there are a lot of us that have dealt with fear. And now I'm praying that your faith rises. I'm praying that you move forward in spite of the, the fear that's standing in front of you or inside of you. You say, God, I know you're greater. You're awesome. You're powerful. And I'm going to move forward in Jesus' name. You see, making culture our enemy, I think sometimes is an easy way to avoid looking at our own hearts. Listen, when our tendency is to make someone or something else the problem as a believer, I think we might be missing the mark. God is up to something pretty amazing. But he's doing some things right now in the body of Christ that I think is astounding. Things are shifting. Things are are moving from what we used to be to where God wants us to be. I think what's happening right now in the body of Christ is there's a repositioning going on. There's a a, a recalibrating going on. He's preparing us. He's setting us up for this next season, whatever it's going to be or whatever it looks like. But he has to do that internal work in our hearts. He has to prepare his people first before anything else happens. And he's moving right now in you. I don't know the details of that experience for you, but I know I know it's happening that he's moving in people's lives. And sometimes when he moves, we're not yet there. He's moving, but we're not to the destination yet. Have you ever been there? It feels kind of like limbo. <laughs> but all of God's people have gone through this time. I mean, Abraham leaving the Ur of Chaldees. I mean, I think Moses and the children of Israel leaving Egypt to get to the promised land. All those in-between places are the places that God wants to do a work. That's where he wants to reposition you. That's where he wants to put you in the best place for victory and success. That's what he does when he repositions his people. And I, 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 I think that's happening. I think it's happening in you. I think it's happening in me. I know it's happening in our church. And here's how we move forward. And I think this has everything to do with the, the power of inviting do you remember the day that you were invited to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Probably the best decision, or it is the best decision, you've ever made. How did that happen? You were invited. Someone invited you, and the work of the Holy Spirit had prepared your heart because here's the reality. The reality is we have no way of achieving salvation on our own. It doesn't happen by our good works. It doesn't, it doesn't happen by our intellect. It doesn't happen through our creativity. It happens as a work of God's Holy Spirit. But there is an invitation that you received, that you accepted, that you embraced. And the power of invitation is a life-changing experience. And then if you follow the ministry of Jesus, you're going to recognize that he, he was doing a lot of inviting. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. He was inviting people into kingdom life, into into a kingdom experience, into knowing him as as their Savior, as their Lord. So here's what happens, I think, when we invite. First of all, when we receive an invitation. I know for me, when I receive an invitation from God's Holy Spirit, the first thing that takes place in my heart is I know I need to recommit my heart to Jesus Christ and his mission. And this morning, when we come to the tables to share communion with each other, make that be a time of just recommitting to what this is really all about. This is about Jesus Christ. This is about following Him. 
This is about his mission. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. And so there, there has to be that, that recommitting of our hearts, aligning our hearts with the purposes of God's word. One of the ways that we express that during our Easter time is we have water baptisms. And so we have these available for you. We've created this, uh, this little fill-out card. It's in the pocket seat pockets right in front of you. And if you would fill that out, if you want to be water baptized, get that to us. Uh, put it in the, the, the containers at the communion table or hand it to an usher or get it to somebody. We want, we want to experience um, that dedication in your life, that recommitting or committing to Jesus Christ as a follower, as, as a public declaration, that's really what water baptism is all about. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, this is something that, that we're serious about. We, we believe that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, one of the next steps that you need to take is to be baptized in water, to say to everybody, yes, you're my community, and I'm following Jesus Christ. I believe in his life, his death, and his resurrection. My life has been absolutely changed. If you fill this out, we, uh, we'll have a pastor contact you, and, and we'll talk through this and what it means. But water baptism is, is a way that we commit. Serving others is a way that we commit as well. You'll see serving cards around this place, too, in the seat pockets on the communion tables. We want to serve community. Because I know, for me, when I'm serving, there are lessons that I learn that I cannot learn otherwise. It won't be behind a desk. It won't be taking notes. It won't be going to school altogether. And all those things are important. But when I activate my faith in serving others... Something happens that doesn't happen in any other place, any other environment, but serving. Serving is a way that we commit our hearts to following Jesus Christ. There are a lot of opportunities for that as well. One of the places that we need help is with our children. Uh, we need help there. There are a lot of kids that show up here, and we need help. Renee First is a great leader, and we need we need help. She needs help. And so if you're looking at serving somewhere, that's a great place to serve. Here's a, another thing that we think about when we think about the power of inviting. And that's we've been invited into a radical love. It's a love like no other. It's God's love. He loves you because he loves you. And the theme of this year has been radical love. In fact, those that are going to be water baptized will be wearing a T-shirt that says, I am radically loved. Because this is, this is what changed my life, was this, this radical love of Jesus Christ, that his life, his death, and his resurrection absolutely changed me. What would, what would ha- make that happen? How did that happen? It was because for God so loved the world, this radical love. The Bible says this. It says it in, uh, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. It says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what's the benchmark for a believer? What what really brings testimony to the world that we live in? It's when we love each other. And that's not easy to do because we think differently and sometimes we we, we have differences. But to get through that and to be able to say, I'm committed to you because I love you. And the reason I can love you is because I've experienced radical love in my own life. That Jesus radically loved me and changed me. 
And then <clears throat> I think the power of inviting uh, does something else, and it has to do with reaching community. Uh, this has been one of the major shifts that we've made in our church over the last few years, that God has repositioned and recalibrated us in this area especially, uh, that we've shifted resources and staff and events and, and training to reach our community, that it's not just about what happens in these four walls, but it's about taking what we experience here and sharing it with the world that we live in. And that we've seen that happen. We've seen things where we have affected community, events where we've affected community. We're moving from being more staff-driven or a staff-driven church to being a church-driven church. How about that? That we all get to participate, that we all have the privilege of being part of. And so you're being invited constantly to be equipped. Being equipped takes place here, and that's part of it, but not all of it. Being equipped happens in our MTI, our Ministry Training Institute. You saw the graduates last week. It happens in CBC. At the end of this month, you'll meet those graduates. It happens through our internship. It happens through Rooted. It happens through the different small groups and adult discipleship and kid discipleship. That's what's happening. And so you're being invited to to be equipped. Look for ways and opportunities that you can grow in Jesus. You're also being invited again to serve others, not only here, but in the community. So inviting others to Jesus. I, I love, the, I, I love the, um, the analogy and I love the story of what takes place in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Listen, listen with me what it says here. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. What does Jesus say? He invites. He says, come, follow me. And Jesus said, I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in the boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. He invited them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. For me, that's, that, that's one of the most impactful passages of Scripture in all the Bible. Because this changes people's lives. And Jesus is still doing that today. And that we live out the life of Christ. We, Jesus in us, is the hope of glory. So what does your walking look like? It says that Jesus was walking along uh, the seas, the, the shores of Galilee. We have the same opportunities to walk to places that, that maybe others aren't walking. That, that, that where you're walking is intentional. Where you're going, it, it really is full of the mind of Christ. Because Jesus is prompting your feet to go somewhere. You know what's really spiritual is when your feet engage with your heart. That is spiritual. You know when things really happen is when your feet engage with your mind and your heart and it goes to places and people to see the salvation of Jesus Christ. You can say amen to that because I think that's huge. That my feet actually get filled with the Holy Spirit. How lovely are the feet of those who bring good news. Jesus walked with purpose. And how much happened on the way somewhere? If you get a little time in the next month or two, just go through the New Testament, go through the life of Jesus and the gospel and find out how much happened when Jesus was leaving Galilee and going to Jerusalem. 
I think you're going to be surprised at how much happens on the way. We get so concerned with our destiny. We get so concerned with our destination that we forget there's a lot that can happen along the way. The greater miracles, I think, happen on the way. Oh, on the way, miracles and lives are changed. There's something else here. Jesus not only walked, but it says he saw, seeing what God sees in others. That's what I'm praying for. Lord, help me see, going into this Easter season, help me see what you see and who you see. That not, Jesus not only sees who we are, but he sees what we're becoming. That when he looks at you, he sees your brokenness, he sees your woundedness, he sees all of those things, but he sees also the salvation that he brings to your life that changes you. What Jesus sees in me is incredible. See, and what we can do is we can hope for others when they don't hope for themselves. That's part of the reason why the body of Christ is still on this planet. It is to bring hope to folks and people and nations that have no hope. With Jesus in you, you could hope for others that lost hope for themselves. Maybe it's a son or a daughter or a friend, a family member, a coworker that you see just spiraling out of control, that they're going into despair, and that you can come alongside and bring the hope of Jesus Christ just by your presence. Just by being there, you can hope for them because they aren't hoping for themselves. And then Jesus does this. He calls or he invites. He calls out. I love what it says here that, that Jesus invited them to follow him, but then it says, and he said, I will send you out to fish for people. What's he doing? He's speaking prophetically. I'm just going to ask that you speak. Ask God to help you speak prophetically into the lives of others. Fathers and mothers, speak prophetically into the lives of your children. Look them in the eyes and say, here is what God is doing in you and here's where he can be leading you. And these are exciting things because we get to be part and partner with what God's up to. Speak prophetically. Jesus didn't hesitate from speaking prophetically into the lives of the disciples. I love what he says here. He says, hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men. This is what you're going to be. Here's where you are now, but here's where you're going to be soon. We need a prophetic voice. A clear prophetic voice in this culture, in God's church today, in the body of Christ, that God would speak prophetically. And we can do that. We can call out and speak what is right in God's word. And what happens here is that prophetic voice will bring courage and confidence to the hearers. You see, when Jesus spoke to those disciples, what did it say they did? It says they left their nets immediately and they followed Jesus Christ. Why? Because there was confidence there. There was strength there. There was truth there. It was the Son of God. Because I know this, someone invited you. Someone gave you an opportunity. Would you invite someone? We have Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday coming up and what will happen is people will hear the clear message of Jesus Christ. Because someone invited you, now I can turn and invite someone else. And I think that is a, a principle we want to teach and instill even more in our church community, that what we've been given, we must give away. There are no free lunches in the kingdom. That's just another way to put it. What you've been given, you're responsible for. 
And one of those responsibilities is to give it away. We're going to have a great Palm Sunday. We're going to have a great Easter. And this is what I'll tell you. When people come here, they are going to experience the kindness of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ, and it will be done with excellence. They'll experience Jesus Christ and his good news maybe in ways they haven't before. See, everyone in this room who has a relationship with Jesus Christ is a result of an invitation. There's power in inviting. So what you've been given, give away. I love what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come to me, another invitation, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a weary and burdened world. And we can invite people to come and know Jesus. So who are those that you're committed to invite? Who are those that you're praying for? One of the things that we've been doing over this last uh, several weeks And I know there are other places that are doing this as well, but we have opened up this room uh, on a Friday morning at 7, and we pray for an hour or so right through here, and just praying for those things that God has put on our hearts, those people that God has put on our hearts. Who has God put on your heart? Who has he given you a burden for? Because if he's done that, then the next step, I think, is inviting them to know Jesus Christ. Inviting them to see their life redeemed. Inviting them to to know the peace that's found in Jesus. Would you take some time today, maybe during the communion, and write down some of those names that God has put on your heart? That you would write those names down and say, here's who I'm committing to pray for. Here is who I'm committed to invite. Now, I'm going to tell you the challenge that I face. And I think all of us face this challenge. It's how do we see our God? Is our God a big God? Is he a great God? And that's what A.W. Tozer says. Let me read it to you. It says this. This is our challenge. It says, Christianity at any given time is strong or weak, depending upon her concept of God. And I insist on this. The basic trouble with the church today is her unworthy concept of God. Our religion is little because our God is little. Our religion is weak because our God is weak. Our religion is ignoble because the God that we serve is ignoble. We do not see God as he is. I'm just praying right now that I see a big God, a great God, and that he would do the same in all of our hearts, in our lives, that our concept of God needs to grow. He's a great God, and he loves us. He has a radical love for his people and for us. So the question is, is how big is your God? I want to do this right now. I want to take some time and prepare our hearts just to come to the table and and receive what God has for you today. Would you do this with me? Would you just bow your head just for a moment? And I'm going to pray over this time, and then I'm going to invite you in just a moment to come to the Lord's table and receive what represents the body and the blood of Jesus. And Father, we want to thank you today for your commitment to us. The power of your invitation has changed, radically changed our lives. And so we, we thank you for inviting us, for including us in this, this great venture called your kingdom, God's kingdom. So Lord, I just pray over these next few weeks that the tenderness of your Holy Spirit would continue to work in us, the excitement of your resurrection would stir our hearts. 
And Lord, that we would see a great God, a big God, the God who cares for people. So Lord, we ask that you just touch us today, prepare our hearts as we come to this place and share the Lord's table together. In Jesus' name we pray and we say together, amen. While you're coming to the Lord's table, I want to remind you. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.